book of Acts. Um, I was just thinking about this verse. Uh, it's really, I've been thinking about this verse uh, in relation to our uh, Sunday morning uh, messages about the, the Beatitudes. Uh, but this particular verse here, it says in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 25, it's talking about the Lord. Is that, uh, the Lord is neither uh, is worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And I just think about that, that, the very breath that we breathe, I think we even sing a song about that, you know, the very breath that we breathe comes from the Lord. Uh, and uh, if the world would believe that, you know, I believe that, but if the world would believe, because it's true, right? If the world doesn't believe it, you know, it's still true, right? You know, well, I don't believe in the Bible. It doesn't really matter. The Bible is still true, you know. I don't believe in Jesus. Well, it doesn't matter. He's still, he's still so, right? Uh, but he gives us, uh, in that word life there is Zoe life, but he gives uh, to all life. Every person that's come into the earth, every single man, woman, and child that's come into the earth, the Bible says that he breathes the breath of life into them. Uh, and and the spirit that comes into every human being comes from God. Now, the flesh comes from man, you know, the DNA and the flesh and the, the natural part comes from your, your, from your mother and father. But your spirit, the Bible called in Hebrews, he says he's the father of spirits. So all of our spirits came from from the Lord, you know, somehow, you know how he does it. But uh, somehow we are made uh, out of the same material that God is made out of our spirits are. Uh, and and he gives that to every human being. That's why every human being longs for God, whether they ever accept him or not, whether they reject him, whether they get into rebellion and say there is no God and, and become intelligent to the point of being stupid uh, they, uh, and say things like that. It doesn't matter because their spirits are still long for God. Uh, and, uh, you know, even I, I know as a child, long before I knew the Lord uh, as my Savior, I would talk to the Lord, fellowship with him, spend time with him, talk to him. Uh, and um, uh, and so uh, because of this verse right here and many other verses, right? But he gives to everyone life and breath and all things. Amen. And so every time you breathe, that breath comes because of the Lord God in heaven. Amen. Uh, and so uh, if we could believe that, you know, it puts God in the right place in our life, that that everything we have and everything we are comes from him. Uh, and that's really part of uh the, the, the Beatitudes that we're talking about on Sunday morning. So, but I've just been meditating on the verse and, and how I always want to keep the Lord as God in heaven. And he's the Lord and I'm not the Lord, right? And many times we try to compete with the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm the Lord of my life. And, and um, it, it's foolishness and it's a waste of time. But, we, you know, no doubt we've all done that. No doubt we've put other people as Lord of our lives. You know, we serve other people to the point of them being our God. And sometimes we serve our jobs, you know, or our families or Many times we put things other than the Lord in that place, but he's a lo- he's a Lord. He's the only one that's given to all life. He's the only one that's given to all breath, and he's the only one that's given to all all things. Amen. Uh, and so we worship him, and he's worthy to be worshipped because of that. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. You gave so much for us, and Father, with no strings attached. You gave, Father, the greatest gift any person on the earth could imagine giving your very own son you loved us that much father. and father you don't only love us that much your son loved us that much to allow himself to be given on our behalf all you are father is an example of love everything you do father comes from the standpoint the foundation of love father we thank you you're such an example to us father how we can be and how we ought to be. 
Father, we choose to yield to that love that lives on the inside of us. Father, your word says that your love, the very agape love of God, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Father, if he lives there, if your love lives there, Father, then we can choose to walk in love all the days of our lives. And Father, only goodness will follow your love. Everywhere your love is expressed, Father, goodness will envelop the situation and the conversation, Father, and those around us. We thank you for your love, Father. Father, your love dictates everything you do and everything you say. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for the great example of your love, Father. And Father, if you if you loved us, if you walked in love, spoke in love, and executed in love all that you did, Father, then we can too. We can speak in love and walk by love in all that we do. Father, you said the very faith of God works by love. We thank you for that, Father. Your love is amazing, Father, and it's immeasurable infinitely deep, Father. We thank you for it. Father, we thank you that you express your love towards us, your very children. I am your very child, Father, and you are my very own Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We exalt your holy and precious name, Father. Thank you for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, His love is amazing. Amen. Um, and you know that the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts, right? Romans 5, uh, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that was given to us. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, that's either really, really good news or it makes us uncomfortable, right? Um, you know, because if it's really, really good news, then that means that the love of God can never expire, never run out, never not be enough, right? Uh, how many times said, I just can't love that person? That's technically not true, right? Uh, what's technically true is you just don't want to love the person, and that, that's true, right? And that may be fair, right? I mean, they may be the most terrible person in the world, right? Uh, and so uh, from an emotional standpoint, you may not want to love them, right? And sometimes we think they don't deserve love, which is a terrible thing to say because none of us deserve love, but we all get it from the Father in heaven, amen? Uh, he, for God so loved the whole world, amen? He didn't pick and choose his favorites, you know, although I'm pretty sure I'm his favorite, but, you know, he didn't pick and choose the select few that I'm going to love these and nobody else. Uh, he loved the whole world, amen? Amen. And uh, those people have gotten so smart, they don't believe God has saved the entire world or, or offered salvation to the entire world. Sometimes I wonder about their intelligence, right? They come up with crazy doctrines and theories about how there's only a select few and how the, there's an elect and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just, uh, um, uh, you know, they even told Paul, of course, it was, uh, uh, it was either Felix or Festus or one of those guys there along the way uh, said that, Paul, your great learning has made you mad. Uh, and of course, they were wrong. But sometimes if our great learning is only in the natural realm, it will make us mad. We'll say crazy things about the Lord. Well, you know, uh, I've been reading some, you know, I'll read some Bible scholars on occasion. Well, they call themselves Bible scholars and they'll say things like, well, you know, all those stories about like Noah and Jonah. You know, those are all just fairy tales made up to express some aspect of God. It's like, 
you really believe that they're made up? And people think they're made up, right? And, well, because, because they think that this natural world can't sustain a supernatural God. And uh, it's like, well, you know, everything, every atom and electron and proton and neutron was created by God. I think he can dictate anything he wants him to do, right? Tell him what order to go to, which direction to head. I think he has, you know, it's not like he's out of control. It's not like, well, what are we going to do now? We created all this stuff and then we can't do anything about it. No, every, every aspect of creation can still hear the voice of faith. Amen. Every atom and every electron in the world can hear the voice of faith. And when God speaks, the whole world moves. Amen. And, and people say things like, well, you know, you couldn't, just, you couldn't live in three days in the belly of a whale uh, or even a great fish. You know, one, one, the Old Testament calls it a great fish. I think in the New Testament did call it a whale. But um, what's, that, what's, that got even, what's that got to do with anything? If God wants you to survive three days in a, in a great fish, he'll let you survive three days in a great fish, you know. Um, how's that happen? Who cares how it happens? I mean, it's interesting. As, a, as an engineer, I want to know, well, Lord, how'd you do that, right? But not as a person of faith. It, you know, my faith is not, it's not necessary to, for the Lord to, to answer to me. Well, Lord, unless you prove to me how you did it, I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> I'm just like, well, uh, we'll get right on that, you know. And, and the, Lord, the Lord's not, he doesn't answer to me, amen. He's not obligated to, to prove himself. You know, I had a fellow one time. Uh, uh, he was one of these folks. He, he went to the first church of doubt and unbelief and, and didn't believe anything. Didn't believe in miracles, nothing, you know. Uh, and, and he looked at me and said, well, if God would just prove by a miracle, one miracle, just prove one miracle to me, I'd believe in miracles, you know. And I'm thinking, how pathetic is a person made out of dust and clay dictate to the great God Almighty that he owes them to prove himself that he exists, right? How, how small of a person can you be to dictate that the great God in heaven dictate or, or, or uh, uh, confirm to you that he exists? Uh, Hebrews 11, uh, 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what the Bible says. You don't ask God to prove himself to you. Uh, that's just, that's just the, the height of pride and arrogance. And uh, a small-minded person thinks that way. And uh, you know, I get riled up with stuff like that. You know, when, when people try to prove, get God, demand God prove himself to him. You demand that the creator of the universe do anything? You know, the only thing I demand the Lord is he just do what he says he would do, right? That's not even demanding of him. It's just really, he said, put himself, put him in remembrance of what he has said. Fine, he told us to do that. So yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. But to the Lord, you know, you've got to prove yourself to be before I believe you. You know, he'll wait till another eternity before he ever does that. He'll wait till two eternities before he ever does that. Of course, you know, he'll never do it to begin with, but he's under no obligation, you know, uh, to prove himself to me. Uh, my, my responsibility is to believe. Amen. If he says it, my responsibility is to believe it. As a, as a humble servant of the Lord, if his word says it, I choose to believe it. And that struggle is such a struggle of mankind sometimes. You know, well, I, I, just, I just have a hard time believing. Well, just believe. You know, grow up and believe. It's really, you know, people just, they seem like, well, they, uh, and, it's, and it's always an excuse. They wrap up, you know, well, I, can't, I have a hard time believing. No, well, it's not really hard to believe, you know, because you don't have a hard time believing that chair is going to hold you up, do you? You know, how many times you flip the chair up and check out the structural integrity of the chair before you sit down? You have faith every day, right? You get in that car, you turn that key, you have faith it's going to start, right? Uh, except for like, I think my son's car, we're struggling faith about that car, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes you do that, right? But, um, uh, but, you know, you have faith every day. You don't even realize it, uh, things that you do. 
You, you don't ever go to sleep going, well, I hope I breathe all night long. You know, you know you're going to breathe all night long, right? And, of course, some people's words always work against it. Well, you just never know. You never know if you're going to stop breathing in the middle of the night, you know. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, our job as created beings is to read the word of God diligently. And as we uh, read the word and it's revealed to us what it says, then our job is to is to respond. Yes, sir. I'll be glad to believe everything you've said is so. And if we would approach the word of God in a humble way, there's no telling what God can do through us and for us and and um, uh, and, and do on our behalf. Amen. And so uh, the Lord is good. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a season back in the in the 50s or so during a lot of the evangelistic or the uh, healing, um, uh, the healing wave. But when Oral Roberts was still traveling around the country, uh, the Lord just gave him a phrase, you know, just say God is good. Of course, it's not it's not a phrase that he made up. It literally says it in a word many times. Right. The Lord is good. and His mercy endureth forever. But he just started saying, God is good. God is good. And of course, uh, Brother Oral would travel all over the country and, and to Pentecostal churches. And then, you know, Brother Hagin would travel to a lot of the same other churches, you know. And, and he said he couldn't tell you how many pastors would come to him and say, I wish he would stop saying that. I wish Oral Roberts would stop saying that God is good. And isn't that the craziest thing that a pastor would say? I wish he would stop saying that. And, and, and Brother Hagin's like, well, why would you, why do you want them because people will start believing that he's good. That's why we, you know, because we don't want people to believe God is good. We want to believe he's hard and mean and, and ready to get you and bat you upside the head. And uh, we don't want people thinking God is good because they can just relax and not, you know, be not afraid of God and just they might sin if they think God is good. And well, well why is why do we always go to, you know, if I think God is good, I want to serve him more. Yeah. Why? Why do people think that if you think God's good, you're going to serve him less? Wouldn't you want to serve a good God? Good God? You know, when you don't you I mean, I, uh, I've had bosses and I've been bosses and, and uh, been a boss. And and, um, uh, you know, in fact, the last the last group of people that I, I was a, a uh, manager over when I when I got into that department and they made me the manager of that department. I'd put out postings for jobs. Right. Hey, I need I need somebody to take this job. And we'd always post them inside, you know, big company, post them inside. I, nobody would respond. Zero people want to work in that department. Nobody. Uh, because the, they just burn them, you know, to the ground, you know, make them work a thousand hours a week or whatever, you know, and, and pile them up with work they couldn't ever get done and, and doing a terrible job of doing their job as a manager. As a manager, you're supposed to, you know, manage. I know that's kind of a, a revelation for some people, but, uh, and so I went about, you know, balancing workloads and, you know, get rid of projects we didn't need to do and, you know, uh, actually doing the job of a manager. And before I left, you know, I'd post a job and I'd get a dozens of people applying for that job because they wanted to work in that group, you know, because uh, uh, they had a manager that cared about them. Well, well, you know, if God's good, wouldn't people want to serve a good God? Yes. I mean, you know, if, if God was really what people say was, well, he murdered that child over there. He took that child over there. Well, you know, God's going to get you. Who wants to serve a God like that? You know, the craziest thing to me, the most amazing thing to me is that how people put all that stuff on God and it's all the devil. The Bible literally says that the thief cometh to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so if it's killing or stealing or destroying, who's it coming from? It's coming from the devil. And yet God, people say, well, God did that. Well, God put that sickness on me to teach me something. That sounds like killing, stealing, and destroying to me. And, and uh, is God a thief? Are you t- saying that when Jesus said that a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that he was talking about the Father in heaven? I mean, that, that's that grounds for blasphemy, right? I mean, we don't burn people at a stake, but that's almost stake burning kind of stuff to say, right? I mean, you know, we're not going to burn anybody at a stake, but, you know, it's just uh, people, people will say that, you know. I, I remember when I went to my 
nephew's funeral. It was, I mean, it's probably been uh, 25, 30 years ago now, uh, maybe longer than that. Um, and uh, he, he died. It was a terrible, it was just a camping, you know, camping accident. And it was a generator. And uh, he died from uh, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. poisoning. And, um, uh, and, and so I'm, of course, I'm at the funeral. And the, the minister gets up and says, well, God took him. His mother's sitting in the service, and he says that God took him. God didn't take that child. The devil took that child. You know, and sometimes it's not even the devil. It's just because we live in a fallen world, and, and this world is struggling under the weight of sin, and so it doesn't operate always according to the design of heaven. It operates under the design of heaven with the constraint of sin uh, fighting against that design. Amen? Uh, and so, it's, uh, you know, it's a terrible tragedy. Uh, and... Um, you know, we should tell people that, that uh, death is an enemy. Amen. Uh, it's an enemy of God. Uh, and, and the Lord never designed death. He never designed people to end, end, end a natural life and be separated from people. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, but people say stuff like that all the time. Uh, attribute the most terrible things to, to the good God in heaven, to the one who has amazing love. Attribute to, and, and it's twisted. Yeah, he loves us. That's why he did that. That's dumb. I mean, that's just like, that's like, you know, uh, are you able to care for yourself dumb, right? Uh, you, you, need, you need mental assistance kind of dumb, right? I mean, you need to be in a soft room somewhere where there's no soft objects kind of dumb, right? Uh, it, it, uh, people, people will say that from the pulpit many times, right? We all heard it. Anybody ever, ever heard those things like that? Well, God did that, you know. God didn't do that. You know how you know if God did it or not? Is if it's good, amen? Uh, then God did that, amen? Uh, and so we have been uh, talking a little bit about the Beatitudes here in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and um, if you remember, this was the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So Jesus gathered the people here. No doubt there's thousands of people here uh, at this point in time. And, uh, and Jesus taught them, right? And so this is, you know, it's all of chapter 5, all of chapter 6, all of chapter 7 uh, that Matthew recorded here. There's a similar uh, passage over in the book of Luke. But uh, Matthew's uh, version of it has got more details. And so we, we kind of prefer uh, Matthew's version of that. Uh, dissertation here uh, and he taught the people he said he sat and he taught the people and that was really uh, the the heart of Jesus he wanted to teach people and a lot of what he had to teach people is to unlearn a lot of the things that they learned growing up right because you had they had the Old Testament but then they had uh, the the uh, all the Jewish writings that went beside the Old Testament right and so you'd have uh, probably five times as much writings beside the, uh, uh, the Old Testament with the Jewish scholars of what they thought uh, the interpretation of those verses meant. Of course, they weren't verses back then. Uh, and a lot of that was gobbledygook stuff, right? A lot of it was, was uh, mystical and, and fantasy stuff. They just they made up things, right? Uh, and go read about uh, what they thought, of, thought about where people were before uh, we were born in the earth. There's all kind of mysticism. Oh, we were on some planet, Pluto or whatever. I mean, you know, who knows where, where we were, but that's not biblical, right? Uh, we are, our existence started the day we were uh, breathed life into our mother's womb. Amen. Yeah. And it happened on the day of conception. And so the Lord breathed the spirit of, of man into that child in that moment. He didn't exist before them. We weren't in heaven somewhere. Uh, we weren't on some planet somewhere. We, we began. We have a beginning. Amen. Yeah. Otherwise, we had no beginning. And then we were like God. Well, no, everything in creation has a beginning except for God. Uh, and so. So he, he taught the people he wanted to teach them. Amen. 
Uh, and, you know, how many things, uh, especially if we grew up in church, how many things have we had to unlearn in our lives, right? Unlearn about God, you know, God put sickness on you. Well, you know, God's going to get you. Well, you just never know what God's going to do. Well, you can't know the will of God. Well, you know, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, God doesn't speak to us anymore. How many things have we had to unlearn? None of those things are true, right? The exact opposite of all those things are true. Uh, and the unfortunate thing is they came from the pulpit many times, right? Well, my pastor said that God doesn't do miracles anymore. Uh, and so that's not true at all, is it? Uh, and so uh, part of, of Jesus, you know, he's in that transition period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So he, he's trying to move people into the, into the place of faith uh, throughout his time, the short time that he was on the earth with us, uh, to get him prepared for the great walk of faith that he had for them to be filled with the Spirit and have the great knowledge of the universe on the inside of them from the Holy Ghost. Uh, he was trying to prepare them for that. And so he starts out uh, here uh, in um, Matthew chapter 5, and let's read in verse, uh, in verse uh, uh, 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that's, so that's the very first beatitude, right? So we talked a little bit about the word blessed. And the word blessed is just a, it's a really big word. If you go read about it, you know, and study about it. And I spent a lot of time just reading about the word blessed, you know, what it means. And it's such a big word. It's, it's hard to quantify, right? It, uh, it talks about uh, uh, blessed and being happy. That's one of the definitions of being blessed. But it also talks about material goods and, and financial blessing and, and, uh, and blessings in your relationships with families and spouses and, uh, and uh, blessings from protections from death and harm and it's blessed just means blessed. You know, you're highly favored. Amen. Uh, and uh, uh, that's so, you know, when people try to constrain, well, blessing is only this. It's really everything, all the blessings of, of heaven, right? In fact, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and that's really, really a great definition of, of being blessed is you have the fullness of the kingdom of heaven operating in your life. And, and if you have the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, what's left in life if, if uh, you have what's left needed in life if you have the kingdom of heaven? Well, there's nothing, right? And so uh, blessed is just all consuming uh, uh, advancement from heaven. Uh, everything that you could ever need or want or desire uh, is, is part of the blessings of heaven. And people will fight. People of doubt and unbelief will fight you for that. I mean, they will, no, that ain't so, you know, you just go look it up. It's not like this is a hard thing to do. You know, th this, this information has been around for thousands of years, right? Jesus spoke these words 2,000 2, years ago. That means he took a word. He could have picked any word he wanted to. He picked this word that had been in the, in the world for thousands of years before that. That word is found in the Old Testament. So it's been around for thousands of years. Uh, people have used this word in the context of what it means for thousands of years. And so all you have to do is you go read, well, how do people use that? That's why Jesus picked that particular word, because it means all-consuming uh, improvement in life. Amen. Uh, and so it's a great word. And Jesus said, if you do these things, then, then uh, this is what you get. Right. And so uh, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So uh, he's, he says that the prerequisite in this case. Right. So we're going to look at all of these. But the prerequisite for being blessed in this verse is to being poor in spirit. Amen. Uh, and so if you want to have all encompassing uh, improvement from the Lord in every aspect of life, in your natural life, physical life, mental life, uh, financial life, uh, uh, in every aspect of your life, if you want the, the fullness of the blessings of God, he said, be poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, so, number one, whose choice is it to be poor in spirit? Who gets to choose to be poor in spirit? Well, you do, right? And, and, and if you could read the verse, read the, the scriptures from that standpoint, whose choice is it? 
So who's, if, it's, if it's your choice to be poor in spirit, then whose choice is it to be blessed? But it's mine, right? If I can choose, because if I do what the Lord says, then I get what the Lord says I get. Has he ever gone, well, I know, you're, I know you're being poor in spirit, but, you know, I just, not today. You know, he blessings for you, just, no, we're not going to do that. Would he, does he ever done that? No. Has he ever gone back in his word and said, I know you've done everything I told you to do, but, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it. Today, just, no. Just, <laughs> you, you ever done that? No. He's never done that. No. And so if you do what he says, do you get what he says? Yeah, but so, so then why don't you have what he says? Because you're not doing what he says. I mean, that's really simple, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's as simple as, well, Lord, I'm not blessed. Well, then you just told off on yourself. Because he didn't stop doing his part. You stopped doing your part. And, then, and, and I've got the same, I mean, when I look at it, well, Lord, I'm not blessed. And then I start going, okay, why am I not blessed? Then I'm not being poor in spirit, right? Or whatever. I mean, we've got a whole lot of list of things to look at, but, uh, but that's one of them, right? It could be that you're not poor in spirit. Of course, all of you are blessed, right? It could be that you're not that, that uh, you aren't mourning like you're supposed to be. That you're, not, you're not meek. You're not hungering, thirsty. You're not merciful. You're not pure. I mean, you could be finding any one of these things, right? But we're talking about being poor in spirit, and being poor in spirit is the most important of all of the beatitudes here. Uh, and we'll, we'll go through about why that is, right? Uh, and so now, uh, you know, I had uh, somebody just excoriate me because uh, in in Luke's version of that, uh, what does what does Luke's version of say? He said, "Blessed be the poor." For yours is the kingdom of heaven, right? But Matthew's version says, blessed be the poor in spirit. Uh, uh, and now, uh, that's an inconvenient verse is in Matthew's version, right? Because the convenient version is Luke if you're a Pharisee, right? So if you're a Pharisee, you want to say, you know, uh, God only blesses the poor in bank account. That way, all you people who have money, you're all evil people, and you need to give it to me. Because I mean, that's what they think, right? Uh, I mean, I've never met anybody who believes in being poor that doesn't strive to get a better job. You know, oh, I love being poor. You don't love, no one loves being poor, right? I, I grew up, anybody grew up poor? I grew up poor, you know. We, aren't on, we were poor before there was food stamps poor, right? We were poor when there was only government food. Uh, and they'd come around and give us, you know, government food. And, and um, you know, my dad, he, he had heart disease. He had a heart attack the year that I was born. His first heart attack was the year I was born. And I don't think there was any relation there, but... Um, <laughs> I hope there wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this or not. But uh, uh, and so he never worked all the days. You know, I never knew my dad to work. You know, now he did work at home. I remember he built all of our furniture and things like that. But he never worked outside the home. And my mom ended up going back to work after a while. But, um, uh, uh, you know, we grew up poor. We grew up without uh, uh, with really anything. I mean, we had we had um, uh, we had government food. And I never remember being hungry. Right. That, uh, you know, there's poor and then there's absolute poverty. Right. We weren't that level of poverty. Right. We had food. We grew a lot of our own food, grew a lot of our own cows and chickens and pigs and that kind of stuff. And then we had government subsidies. And um, and so but we didn't have a lot of things. Right. So we had board games. It was our thing. Right. So we didn't have. Of course, that was before video games even existed. Right. Uh, But uh, in fact, my my parents, uh, my dad died in 1979. My mom died in 1980. We never had a color TV. You know, color TV was invented in the 50s, right? And so they died 30 years or so after color TV. We never had a color TV. We had the biggest black and white TV you could have, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and so, I mean, we never had, you know, I mean, we had one of those big, remember those big console TVs they used to have, right? Had a TV in the middle, had a record player on one side, right? Uh, and they were just boat anchors. They were so big. Uh, and um, we had one of those. And I remember we, I was telling my oldest daughter about that. She was real little and how we had black and white TVs. And of course, in her mind, if it's TV's black and white, 
everything on the other side of that was black and white, right? Because they're just taking pictures of what they see. So, so she said, uh, so when did color come into the world? Because, you know, the world was black and white when, when the TV was black and white, right? So, I mean, which is a pretty reasonable thing as a child to think, right? Now, if you're an adult, we might have to have other conversations, right? But, um, uh, and so, so you, know, uh, I, you know, I know what it's like to, to not have anything. Uh, but the Lord wants, he said, basically, everything is yours if you're poor in spirit, right? Uh, so, well, we want to find out then, well, then I want to do that. Now, see, are you earning it? No, he just said that's the promise, right? That's the deal. So you're not earned it. You're just doing the deal, right? You're doing what he says, right? And you're, you're really qualifying yourself to receive what he's already given to you. Uh, and so, so he said you're blessed uh, and you get the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven, and we're not going to go through all that, but the kingdom of heaven is basically all that the Lord is, right? All that he desires, and it's all the inheritance that you get as becoming a child of God, right? So you come and... Uh, so before you're a child of God, you have no access to the kingdom of heaven, right? You have no access to the blessings of heaven. You have no access to, to uh, any of the benefits of heaven. But when you become a child, then you become an heir of God, right? Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that we're heirs of God, right? And, and not just heirs of God, but what? Joint heirs with Jesus, right? So that means we get an equivalent uh, uh, inheritance to what Jesus has. Well, how, how do you reckon Jesus is doing? Is he on government food? Is he getting that good government cheese, right? I mean, it's good cheese, right? But uh, is, he, is he needing to have government cheese? No, he's not needing government cheese. You know, he's the creator of cheese, right? He just, you know, speak cheese into existence, right? Yeah. Cheese be, and it's there, right? Uh, and if, if he wanted it. And so uh, I think Jesus is doing all right by himself, amen? So we get, uh, by doing what the Word says, if you'll do what the Word says, we get the promises of the Word. Now, you know, that whole concept is so foreign to, to much of the religious church. They act like God only gives things to us sovereignly. We have nothing to do about it. And if he doesn't give to it, he's just choosing to withhold it from us for his great understanding and great uh, complicated will that we'll never know. No, it's, not, it, it's so that's so foreign to who God is. God said, if you're poor in spirit, I'll just give you everything. That's pretty good. Isn't that what he says right there? Yours is the kingdom of heaven if you're poor in spirit uh, and you're blessed because of that. Now, if, you're, if you f- refuse to be poor in spirit, yours is not the kingdom of heaven. So if there's something missing in your life, where's the issue? It's on you. It's always been on us. For all of existence, it's always been on us. It's never been on God's side. It's always been on our side. Always will be uh, forever, you know, at least as far as I can see in the future, right? Uh, unless God changes how he operates in, with mankind, you know, that's the way it is. Amen. Now, to me, that's good news because all I have to do is figure, well, then what does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean, right? And so, you know, I had one of those Pharisees just, just excoriate me. You know, God said, blessed are the poor. It's like, that's just, that's, that's almost criminal stupidity, right? I mean, if there was a law against stupidity, that, they, would, they would be in jail for being that dumb because it's intentional. It's intentional stupidity because it's not, it, we, we read right here that he said poor in spirit, right? So we look at the whole counsel of God. We don't just pick out verses that do what we say that, that line up with what we believe we we read the verse and then then we line up what we believe with the verse yeah. not the other way around uh and so i mean just god you know blesses the poor i'm thinking how many times have you told me, this very person how many times have i heard you say i'm gonna go do this get this job and get this raise and get this more money i can't tell you how many times you know and that that kind of person uh, i you know it's and it's and it's common that i have observed that 
people who believe that will talk more about money than anybody else. They talk about money, about this, money, about that, how much money that person's got over there, how much money the person's got over there, how much money the church is spending over here, how much money, you know. I mean, why are they always talking about money? Well, because they're, they're, uh, the Bible talks about being greedy, right, being covetous. And they're covetous people. Now, they, don't, they, they would never admit it, but if all they ever talk about is money, they're covetous. They want everybody else's money. And, they, uh, and you know, I had another fellow, you know, same thing. Well, you know, God blesses the poor. Uh, and, and, you know, all these things. And, he's, and then he would say, uh, well, somebody gave me this the other day. Somebody gave me this the other day. Somebody gave me this the other day. He said, I'm so blessed. I'm thinking, so you're okay with you being poor. You're just not okay with everybody else being poor because if everybody else is poor, they can't give you things, right? Uh, and so they want everybody else to be blessed and they be poor that way people give them things, right? So they're not responsible for being uh, blessed on their own and giving other people things, right? Because if you're blessed, what do you do? You give things to people, right? Whatever it is. And so uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, there, uh, I'm glad there's not a law about stupidity because there's a lot of people that, you know, I would have to do a citizen's arrest and, and just, you know, go take him in. But, uh, but no, he said poor in spirit, amen? Uh, and, and so uh, let's, uh, uh, we've got, to, well, let's look over to Luke chapter 19 because uh, we, we've got to, first of all, make sure that we're, that uh, when we say that he's talking about poor in spirit, that, that's really what he means, right? Because we don't want there to be any doubt left. Because a lot of people think that if you're rich, then you're not poor in spirit. Uh, and so, therefore, uh, you're in violation of the word of God and you shouldn't strive to be wealthy. And, and I understand, you know, there's a lot of constraints in the word of God about being wealthy. And you've got to be careful not to be covetous and not to... You know, uh, if you the Old Testament says if you hasten to be rich, you know, your feet sin. I mean, so if your goal is to be rich, well, you're out of order, right? Your goal is to do the will of God, right? And then he provides uh, all the blessings along with his will. Amen. So we keep things in balance. Amen. Our, my primary goal is not to be rich and die with the most toys. My primary goal is to do the will of God. And I know that if I do the will of God, the blessings will come. And I trust him for that. Uh, and because a lot of people will say, because you're rich, you're obviously not godly. Well, let's see what the word says, right? And so here, let, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 2. And it says, it says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, uh, which was a chief among the publicans, the tax collectors, right? So, you know, him and Matthew must have been good buddies, right? And he was what? Rich. It doesn't say this, but we, we just know from history and from, from reading other things, and he was also despised by his fellow Israelite because who was he collecting taxes for? The, the, Romans, the Roman government, right? Uh, but he was collecting them from his people, right? From, from his brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. Hey, you owe this. Well, you know, it wasn't always so. If he said you owe $10, you might actually only owe 9 But, you know, he kind of rounded it up, you know, so that he could get some extra money, right? And so... Uh, but he, and so he was rich. Now, when we think of rich, you know, we think, well, they got a billion dollars. We know, I mean, is billion dollars, if you had a billion dollars, would you be considered rich? Sure you would be, right? And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he, went, he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received them joyfully. And when they saw him, they all murmured. You know, you ever see people just murmur? Jealous, right? Mur he's with that, you know. I've been spiritual all my life, and he's with that sinner up in the tree, you know, short guy even, you know, much, you know what's wrong with that, you know? Nothing wrong being short, is there, right? We know a lot of short people, and, and so, 
but they murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. Now, he was an Israelite, right? Uh, but, you know, who judged him as being a sinner? All, all the Pharisees, right? And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods. So did he say all of his goods? So if he had a billion dollars and he gave half away, how much would he have left? Uh, $500 million, right? Is he still rich after with a $500 million? You know, half a rich is still rich. You know, I mean, it's, that's the nice thing about being rich, right? Half, you know, you give half away. You know, all these billionaires, you know, I'm going to take this pledge, you know, give, you give all my money away. Yeah, but if you give it away, you're still rich, right? And so people act like, oh, I'm such, a, I'm such a martyr. I'm such a wonderful person. You know, I'm giving all this money. I gave $100 million away. Yeah, well, it's worth a billion, right? So, uh, you know, I think you can scrape by on $900 million, right? Amen. And so, but he said, I'll, I'll, he said the half of my, get, my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, so apparently he had, right? Uh, I, I restore him fourfold. I'm sure there's a long line of people out the door. Uh, Zacchaeus, I'd like to take that deal right there. You know, you remember last week you said that, you know, that I owed you this much and I didn't really owe you that much. I'd like four times of it. So I imagine he did, right? Because the Lord Jesus was kind enough to come to his house and show him the love and mercy of the Lord, right? And it just, it made Zacchaeus, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it all. Uh, and he had a great attitude, didn't he? And what was the Lord's uh, uh, judgment of how Zacchaeus was acting? In verse 9, he says, Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he said this man got saved, right? In the same way that the Old Testament saints got saved, right? So he's not born again, but, he, but salvation come to his house. So if he died, he'd go to the, at this moment in time, he'd go to the Abraham's bosom and eventually be with the Lord after the resurrection. Uh, and so, but this man was rich. So is there, is there inherently anything wrong with being rich? No. Can you be out of order and be rich? Absolutely. But you know, I know just as many poor people who got the sorriest attitudes, who are unkind and mean and hateful. You know, so I mean, I, what I have observed is Nobody is beyond uh, doing the word of God, that everybody can fail the word of God, regardless of your bank account. Amen. And so uh, so if if the Lord will only bless those who are uh, uh, materially poor, then Jesus is in conflict with himself. If 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 Matthew only meant blessed are the poor in bank account, then there's no way that Zacchaeus could be blessed. And yet the Lord God himself, Jesus said that he had arrived at salvation. Amen. Didn't he say that? And he said only after giving half away, not everything away. And so, uh, so uh, uh, we got to look at one more example. Look at, let's turn to Mark chapter 10. Because, you know, my goal when I, when I believe the word, I want to believe the word what it says. I don't want to believe the word with what I think it says. Uh, if, if I think it says I have to have a poor bank account before I can... Uh, uh, arrive at salvation or arrive at being blessed of the Lord or arrive at having the kingdom of heaven? Because if Jesus said, this day has salvation come to this house, then what he's saying is this day has the kingdom of heaven come to this house because salvation is the introduction to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so Jesus was, was in complete violation of his own words from Matthew chapter 5 if, if uh, uh, Luke chapter 19 was still so. But was the Lord in, in conflict with his own statements? No, he wasn't in conflict with his own statement. So we've got to look at the whole counsel of God. And so let's look at here in, in uh, Mark chapter 10. And when he was gone forth in verse 17, when he's gone forth 
uh, into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, uh, saying, uh, good, good master, what must I do or what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And I, I've always amazed at verse 18. I love verse 18. Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. I like verse 18 because it reminds me to always stay in my position. That, that in this moment, the man was trying to butter up Jesus with flattery. Uh, and instead of receiving the flattery, now other times people would say compliments to Jesus and he would receive it. But this was not a compliment in order to worship Jesus' position. This was, was flattery to try to buy his way into God's good graces. And so Jesus deflected that. You know, he, I'm not uh, in this in this the way you're worshiping me. I don't receive that. Uh, and and uh, uh, I keep that in the back of my mind when somebody comes up and says, hey, that was a good message. OK, fine. That was the best message ever was. You're the best pastor ever was. Why call us down me good? Right. There's none good. None worthy to be worshiped other than God. And if Jesus can do it, I can surely do it. Amen. If I can deflect uh, when people try to uh, uh, send me accolades and tell me how wonderful I am. Because I already know how wonderful I am, right? So you're, you're adding to that. It's not going to help me, amen? Uh, he said, there's none good, but one, that is God. He said, thou knowest the commandments. And then he started listing some of them, not all of them. Uh, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, uh, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed, have I observed from my youth. Now, you think Jesus would have known whether that was a true statement or not? Probably so, right? He had the Spirit of God in him. And, and um, you know, this is only a, um, uh, well, it's in the New, Te- New Testament here. So um, I think uh, if, if the Lord needed to show him, if the Holy Spirit needed to show him that that was an untrue statement, he could have said, well, don't you remember on Tuesday you didn't do that? Uh, and so Jesus didn't argue with, uh, with the fact that he had done these things. Amen. Was that sufficient to get in the kingdom of heaven? No, apparently not. Right. Uh, and so and we'll find out why. And so Jesus, so was this man uh, very wealthy? Uh, he was very wealthy, right? We call him the rich young ruler. Uh, and so uh, Jesus, behold, now I, and I love verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him. You know, one of the things, even sometimes when we're stupid, if we're sincerely stupid, you know, it's not really a big deal to the Lord, right? If, I mean, sometimes we're sincerely just wrong. You know, but we're sincere about it. We, you know, we're not we're not prideful about it. We're not, you know, thinking, you know, that, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's easy for the Lord to overlook some things and just, you know, because he said he loved him. Right. He wasn't mad at him. You know, if this was a Pharisee. He'd probably just, you know, just, you know, zap and is gone. I don't know. You know, I'm just hurried. The Lord never did that, uh, which which makes me glad because that means he would never zap me. Right. But still, you know, he would he would uh, reserve some very harsh words to the Pharisees. Right. So, but he didn't respond to this rich young ruler's statement about how wonderful he was with harsh words, did he? Uh, he said he loved him. You know, the Lord loves us even when we say stupid things, amen? Even when we do stupid things, he still loves us, amen? Uh, and, and the best thing, if we can be sincere about it and not have conniving schemes, you know, I think he was really sincere that he's trying to obtain salvation. And he's, as far as he knows, this is what I'm doing. It's not exactly right, but, it, but as far as he knows, he's doing what he should be doing. And, you know, that, that's, that's at least to be commended. Amen. Now, the, the, the key is, can you learn more than what you already know? Right. The key is, are you willing to learn more than what you know and to change if you need to? And, and that's really what separates the men from the boys there. Right. Because a lot of times we'll do things that's not exactly right. 
uh, and uh, you, you remember um, uh, with, with uh, uh, well, it was one of the teachers uh, with uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila uh, went and talked to uh, one of the teachers of the law in, in the book of Acts, and it says they expounded the scriptures more accurately to him uh, because he, he was a pretty good teacher, but he didn't get everything exactly right. So Aquila and Priscilla helped him out, right? Uh, and so uh, he was willing to listen, right? Uh, now, here, uh, the Lord said that, uh, that he loved him. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him, verse 21. And said, one thing uh, thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, you know, the Lord didn't, didn't invite a lot of people specifically to follow him. He did uh, uh, many people, but, I mean, there'd be thousands of people, but he wouldn't tell them to come follow him. Now, many of them did anyway. But he got a personal invitation from a personal invitation, face-to-face invitation from the Lord to come follow him. Uh, and, uh, and it's the saddest statement in the world is verse 22. And he was sad at that statement. I'm sad that he was sad. Uh, at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, when Zacchaeus had great possessions, what did he say? Well, whatever, I'll give it away half of it right now. No problem. Uh, and was the Lord okay with that? No, did the Lord say, no, you've got to give it all away? No, the Lord didn't tell Zacchaeus to give it all away. Uh, in fact, the Lord didn't tell Zacchaeus to do anything. He said, oh, there's, I love you so much, this is what I'm going to do. And the Lord said, that, that's, that's great. Uh, salvation has come to this house. This man had great possessions, and, and um, the Lord said, uh, one thing you lack. Now, you think about that. He's one step away from salvation. One step away. That's a big, giant step. In his mind, it was a big, giant step. From the Lord's step, it was just a tiny little step, right? But uh, uh, one step away. One thing thou lackest, right? And I've talked to the Lord a lot about this verse. Lord, you've never told me I lack one thing. You always give me a list. You got this wrong and that wrong and this thing over here wrong. You got to straighten up that attitude. Quit saying that. You know, stop doing this. Start doing this. The Lord, there's always a list with me, right? You, know, you never told me this one thing. I want to get this deal, right? I haven't. I never got this deal. And, and so, he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, when the Lord said, "Go and sell what do you have," did he say, "Give everything to the poor"? No, but he said, "Sell everything you got, and then give to the poor." So, how much was he supposed to give to the poor? He doesn't say. So. But something, he should have given something to the poor, right? Uh, in other words, think of somebody else besides you. Uh, and that's really an issue a lot of times is uh, a lot of people have no understanding that there's anybody else in the world besides themselves. I mean, if you sent them a letter and said, hey, there are other people in the world besides you, they'd be like, that ain't so. There's nobody else in the world besides me. I am the only one, right? Uh, and I tell people all the time when I'm driving, you know, they'd be in a fast lane you know, going 20 miles an hour. And I would say, you know, there's other people in the world besides you. And then they never listen. But I tell them anyway, right? You know, there's other people in the world besides you. And, and you know, they never listen. But, uh, but, but for some people, that's new information, right? You mean there's other people in the world besides me? Uh, and, and, you know, I used to tell my kids when I was growing up that uh, uh, Galileo, you know, the great scientist from, you know, hundreds of years ago, he was the first one who, who at least made it popular, said, you know, the, the earth revolves around the sun because prior to that everybody believed that the earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it the sun the moon the stars everything revolved around it and these mathematicians were looking at all the math it's like it doesn't make it doesn't add up and they said well what if we put the sun at the center of, of the the solar system and 
And we go around that. Well, okay, the math works. So they're like, well, then the son is the center. Well, he got persecuted from the church, right? Uh, and and I, I told this, my kids, I said, my job is to be like Galileo, to remind you that you are not the center of the universe, that somebody else is the center of the universe, right? And they said, well, wasn't he arrested and thrown in jail? You know, after they get smart, you know, then, then you, can, you can't use all the same, same things with them, right? Uh, yes, he was, he was uh, and, he, and he recanted, you know, later on because they put him under so much pressure. But he was still right that, that uh, the earth was not the center of the universe. And, and for some of us, that, that we should be reminded about that. I am not the center of all the world. Everything does not revolve around me. Uh, and, and so, uh, but this man, nobody had ever told him that. He was a rich young ruler. You know, we don't know what he was, what, how he got his wealth or what he was a ruler over. Uh, but, uh, but he was sad and he, so he couldn't, he couldn't sell it. Now, the Lord again didn't tell him to give everything away, but whatever things he had, he probably took a lot of pride in them, right? Oh, I've got the best chariot. I've got the best horses. I've got the best house. You know, uh, it's always the best and it's, it's so much better than everybody else's. And, and so those things owned him, didn't they? And the Lord said, you've got to get rid of those things. If that thing owns you, you've got to sell it, got to get rid of it. And then give to the poor because it's always good to, to help those that are in need. Uh, and so, so was the issue that he was rich? Is that the issue? Well, let's find out what Jesus says about it, right? Uh, and so... It says in verse 23, And Jesus, looking round about, said unto the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now, again, uh, Jesus is really smart. He'll, just, he'll take things right to the edge, you know, and then give you enough piece of information to get you off the edge, right? Because uh, they're thinking, it says in verse 24, the disciples were astonished at these words. Because a lot of people, even these disciples, a lot of people, when it comes to rich people, they think rich people are like kings and they're important people and they're, they're to be bowed down to and to be worshipped and they've got to go kiss their ring and, you know, all these types of things like that. You know, sometimes politicians think, you know, you've got to kiss my ring before I can do anything for you. And, and, and you know, I always think, uh, I ain't kissing nobody's ring. I serve an almighty God. I'm a, child, I'm a child of a king and you're, you know, a, an elected official of a small town. I mean, are you kidding me? I serve a great and mighty God, right? Uh, I lick nobody's boot and kiss nobody's ring. Uh, and so, um, but some people think that you should, right? And it's like, uh, compared to my Lord and Savior, you know, now I'm not mad about it, but uh, I ain't doing that, you know. Uh, but the disciples, it just blew their minds. Like, but rich people were, the, were our example. We all want to be rich people. You know, we all want to be rich people. And that's what they were thinking, right? Uh, and again, that's, our goal shouldn't be to rich, be rich to be rich, right? Our goal should do the will of God. Uh, and so, uh, but they were astonished because of that, right? Because they all thought the rich people got rich because of the Lord's blessings and that the Lord, if they're rich, then therefore the Lord has, has taken care of them. And so we want to be like them. Uh, and so, but then Jesus answered and said, here's the issue in verse 24. And saith unto them, children, how hard it is for them that do what? trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So what's the issue? It's where, where do they trust, right? They trust in riches, right? And that's the issue. Right? So the issue is not that they have riches. The issue is that they trust in the riches. What do you mean they trust? Well, well I trust. If, I, if I've got a lot of money, I get to go to heaven because I'm an important person. And I, and I bet you uh, the vast majority of, of billionaires who don't know the Lord think that they're going to get to go to heaven because they're, they're billionaires and that they trust in their money that they'll get them to heaven. That because, well, Lord, I, you know, I helped that person. I gave some money away for that, and I gave to this charity, and I gave to that charity. 
And the Lord said, I'll never, I never knew you. Unless they accept the Lord, he'll tell them and look to them, I never knew you. Why? Because they trust in their riches. And, and, and so what Jesus is saying, it's really easy. Uh, he said, how hard, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? Why? Because it's really easy for people who have riches to trust in the riches. That the riches will, will gain them uh, a place in heaven. That their financial blessings will cause them to be approved coming to heaven. And Jesus said, it's really hard. And it is. Because I can't tell you how many people get money and they just think they're so important. Uh, and, and, and I've had people look down at me because, you know, they think I don't have any money and, and just, I mean, it's like blah, 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 right? Because it smells bad. You know, people that are rich that are that way, uh, I don't even like being around them because, you know, they smell bad. You know, they don't, it's a spiritual smell, but they don't like it, you know, and, and I don't like being around it. Uh, and, and, but Jesus said it's really hard, and it is. And so it's a warning to all of us, you know, nothing wrong with having wealth, nothing wrong with having riches, but, it, but you you got to guard. I mean, you got to be so attentive to make sure, Lord, I, I'm never going to trust in my riches. I'm never going to. Now, see, some people say, well, then I don't want any riches. Well, then who can you help? If you're only the one receiving, well, that's great. But wouldn't it be nice for you to be able to help somebody else? You know, uh, and so, you know, if you have those things, you can help other people. And, and that's fine, right? And now, does he, the Lord didn't say anything to Zacchaeus about, right? Well, you got to get rid of all. No, get rid of all. He never told him to get rid of it all. In fact, he didn't say anything. He said, he called him a son of Abraham. Uh, Abraham was one of the wealthiest people ever, right? In fact, he had so much stuff. Lot had so much stuff. They had to go the separate ways because they had so much stuff, right? Uh, and that, now if Lot was smart, which he wasn't really smart, if he was smart, he'd just given away his stuff to stay with Abraham. That's what, if he'd been smart, that, you know, because he got wealthy because of Abraham, not because of his, of his own great uh, faith. Uh, so Jesus, it, so this is a warning, right? It's a warning that, you know, if you have riches, is there anything inherently wrong with having wealth? No. What, it, what does First uh, Timothy uh, say about uh, money? That it's the love of money, right? Not money. I, I saw somebody on, you know, on one of these Facebook preachers say, well, you know, if, if money is the root of all evil, then why do churches always want your money? Mm. Well, that's not a true statement. The, the money is not the root of all evil. What's the root of all evil? It's a love of money, right? Uh, is the root of all evil, right? All manner of evil. And so... And Jesus is confirming that right here, that this man loved his position, loved his, you know, his, uh, his things that he owned, loved the stuff that he had, loved it, right? Uh, and thought a lot of it uh, and, uh, and trusted in those that that would get him across the line, right? He did the other things, but he thought, well, I'm not there yet, but, the, but my riches will get me across the line and I'll make it into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said how, how hard it is. So it's not impossible because he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of heaven? So it's not impossible, but is it hard? It is hard because it's easy for us as human beings to rely upon our riches, to trust in our riches, right? Trust in our wealth. Sometimes it's easy for us to trust in the wealth of our government, right? Well, they're going to send me a check. Sometimes it's easy to trust in the goodness of other people, right? That they're going to give me money. Uh, and, but, and, but, and the problem is that we don't trust in the Lord, right? So we should always trust in the Lord uh, when we don't have any money. We should trust in the Lord when we have all the money. If we trust in the Lord, we're always okay, right? Our trust is not in, uh, uh, in our things, amen? Uh, in fact, uh, okay, if I tell off on myself. Uh, so, you know, uh, years ago, um, we, we'd only been married a couple years. We bought our first house. We bought our first house. It was uh, $40 a square foot, brand new house, never been lived in. We bought it $40 a square foot. You know, I mean, 
if you can ever find a house for $40 a square foot, it's probably not some place you want to live in, right? Because it needs a lot of work uh, if you get it for $40 a square foot. Uh, and so, um, but back then, you know, we could buy a house, you know, brand new house, $40 a square foot. And, um, and we paid, so it means we paid $64,000 for the brand new house, right? Uh, and, um, and so we started paying it off, you know, we we're going to get out of debt and paid it off. And after a few years, you know, we're not getting it paid off as quickly as I would like to have got it paid off. And so I went to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you know, I just, I was thinking I'd have this house paid off by now, you know, because I believe in your, you know, I do what you say. I tithe, give offerings, you know, as, as you instruct me to do that. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, I just kind of expected that it would be paid off by now. Just talking to the Lord about it. You know, you ever talk to the Lord about things, you know, why things aren't going the way that you think they ought to go? Now, I never accuse the Lord, why aren't you doing me? Why aren't you helping me? You know, how come you didn't provide, you know? I never accuse him of not doing his job, but I want to know. Because he said, you know, if you, if you give tithes and give offerings, that he said the very windows of heaven will be opened up on your behalf. Uh, and that windows of heaven is the same windows of heaven that he mentioned in the book of Genesis when the flood came. Well, when the windows of heaven opened up with the flood, what happened? The whole earth was covered, right? So, I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? And we'll, well, we've got to finish up, uh, we may not get through it today, uh, we've got to finish up uh, the story here to find out the end of all these things. Uh, but so I went to the Lord about it. And what I have found, you've got to be careful of asking the Lord a question because there's a good chance he'll answer the question. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I asked the Lord, you know, Lord, wh why haven't we got our house paid off before now? And he said, well, the reason why I've not been able to help you get your house paid off is because you're trying to not walk by faith. In your mind, you, you have decided that if you can get out of debt, then you will no longer need to walk by faith in the area of finances. Uh, and so he said, I can't help you with that because your motives are not right. Uh, and that's a terrible thing, right? I mean, who, who does it? I mean, whoever he's talking about is a terrible person, right? Uh, well, he was talking about me, right? He was talking about me that uh, I was trying to get out of debt, not because I just wanted to be out of debt. Uh, now, it's, is it a good thing to be out of debt? Sure, the Lord's not trying to get us in debt to help our spiritual lives, amen? He didn't say that. Well, you're trying to get out of debt, and, 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 uh, but you need to be in debt so you can be more spiritual. No, he didn't say that. He said that the reason why I wanted to get out of debt was so that I can choose not to live by faith and just trust in my own riches is really what he was saying. He would, so, uh, and, and really just now, I realized he was accusing me of being the rich young ruler. Uh, he wasn't accusing me. He was telling me that I was that person, right? He's not an accusation. It's a true statement, right? But he said it in a nice way, because if he said, you're the rich young ruler, I might just crawl up in a ball and cry, you know. Uh, and so and so that was the problem. The problem was my plan was if I get out of debt, I won't need to have so much money and I can just trust in the money that I get for for my life. And I won't have to trust in the Lord. And that was, you know, now I didn't really write it. You ever write things down? You don't write stuff like down like that down. They don't write it down like that and say, well, I'm planning on getting out of debt so that I can trust in my own riches the rest of my life and not ever believe God ever again. I didn't write it down that way. But those, kind of, those thoughts kind of sometimes trickle in your mind and you make plans and you, well, I can do this and I'll be out of debt and won't it be nice to be out of debt Then I can just not believe God for finances. I won't need to believe God for finances because I'm out of debt, right? And, and I can just work any job, make enough money to eat and, and pay, uh, pay my electricity. Uh, and so uh, I was out of order. I was out of the will of God. I, w I was not lined up with the faith of the word. Uh, and so what are you going to do? Lord, that's not me. You're not talking about me. You're talking about somebody else. Lord. I never did that. Is that the right response when the Lord shows you that? That's a, that is a terrible response, right? Or do you do, you, uh, do what this man said and uh, what did he say? Uh, do I, do I, did I go away grieved? 
I just hurt my feelings, Lord. You just hurt my feelings. You know, uh, you shouldn't talk to me that way. It's still true whether, you know, you think he shouldn't talk to you that way or not, right? Do you go away grieved? When the Lord tells you something, do you go away grieved? I can't tell you how many times I've told people things to try to help them, they go away grieved. And it's like, why'd you go after you? I mean, I, you know, you're not arguing with what I said. You're arguing that it hurts your feelings. Well, I didn't try to hurt your feelings, but it's impossible to not hurt your feelings because some people, that's all they live by is their feelings. So you can say hi and they still get their feelings hurt. So you can't do anything. You either do nothing or you hurt their feelings. And so, uh, so some people, it's just, you know, you just, you're stuck because no matter what you do or say, you're going to hurt the feelings, right? And so uh, not, not trying to hurt people's feelings, but sometimes you do, right? And so, uh, so what do you do? Well, you do the only smart thing to do, which is to be to repent. Well, Lord, you're right. You're 100% right. You're 1,000% right. Uh, I'm just trying to not walk by faith, you know. And it wasn't like a, you know, like this, this man, it was a big thing, right? For him, it was so big to overcome that. You know, I mean, it, it was impossible for him to overcome it, you know, the, the, with the kind of person he was. Uh, now, he could have, but he just, in his mind, it was impossible. Uh, but, you know, when the Lord said that, uh, hopefully as we go along with the Lord, when he says us things like that and corrects us, it's, you, you're right, Lord. Uh, how do we just change that right now? And so I just changed it. You know, well, Lord, you're right. I'll, I'll believe God if I have no debt at any point in my life. I'll still believe you for finances to increase and to bless me uh, as you see fit. And I'll be faithful to continue to give and to pursue whatever you want me to pursue all the days of my life. Uh, and, and we left it at that. And then, you know, then we got the house paid off. Right. And we got out of debt at that point in time. I mean, we've got other things now that we've going on. Uh, but at that point in time, we got entirely out of debt. Uh, and so uh, the Lord is good. Amen. So you've got to be careful because specifically when it comes to finances, it is a big deal, right? Finances are always, for some people, they're always a big deal. They should never be a big deal because it's just stuff, right? It's just things. It's just money, right? Well, it's easy to say, well, I believed that long before I had things, right? I've got plenty of things now, but, you know, I know what it's like to not have things and I know what it's like to have things. I know what it's like to not have things and, and be a Christian, right? I mean, I was, became a Christian when I still had nothing. Uh, and so... Uh, so, uh, it, but it's a warning, right? If this is a warning and, and it's a strong warning, we should be careful because your riches could cause you to trust in something else and other than the Lord. Uh, and really that goes for anything. Cause if your trust is in your spouse, if your trust is in your job, if your trust is in the government, if, uh, God forbid your trust be in the government. I mean, wow. You know, I mean, that's, you know, but some people said, uh, right. Especially you go to some governments and, and they're totalitarian governments. And, you know, you go to people in Mother Russia, you know, you go to a place like North Korea and they've all got a picture of, of uh, 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 their president there in their house and they thank him for providing for them. It's like, well, you know, you're all poor, right? You know, you're all destitute. And I mean, you're the worst country literally in the world just about. And they all worship their their, uh, their communist leader uh, like a god, right? And it's like, you got a terrible god. You need to upgrade your god. You know, he's doing a very bad job of taking care of you guys but they trust in their leader don't they their fearless leader uh and and so they've done it it's almost cult-like how they do that uh so who do we trust in we should always trust in the lord so we should trust in the lord when we have nothing we should trust in the lord when we have everything uh so the theme is trust the lord right uh and and so what what was the issue of this man he was not poor in spirit and and so and that's really the the root idea of poor in spirit is I trust in the Lord. I have no uh, value in and of myself. In and of myself, I have no ability to get to heaven. I have no ability to, to uh, obtain salvation. 
I cannot earn it. I can't be good enough. I can't be rich enough. I can't work hard enough. I cannot earn salvation. It is impossible. It's so far to get there. I will never get there on my own. And that's that when you get to that point in your life, then you are poor in spirit. See, people think I can, I can earn it. I can do it myself. Well, you're not poor in spirit. You think you have the ability to get there. And so much of humanity is so, so unpoor in spirit. They think they're rich in spirit. They think that I'm just close enough. I, if I can just do one more good thing, I can get to heaven. That is not poor in spirit. You've got to realize it's so, I mean, you get a poor person, you take them down to a brand new car lot, they'd be like, this is not, why am I here? I can't, you know. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, and they were talking about buying a new car, uh, for, or, you know, buying a car. My dad would buy cars for the kids, right, when they turned 16 or whatever. Uh, and, and so he bought one for my brother Billy, one for Anita, one for my sister Sue, one for my brother Mike, one for my uh, uh, brother Alan, one for my sister uh, Gloria. And he said, I'm not buying any more cars for people. And I'm thinking, why'd you stop there? You know, because you still got Rita and Danny and David and then me, right? Well, you got a long way to go for me and you stopped them. You, you know, how can you stop there? I'm there because they were all like, you know, they'd burn it, break it up, wreck it, whatever, you know. Uh, you know I hadn't done nothing wrong. Uh, you know, I'm not even old enough to drive yet. You know, I'm not doing no more deals, right? But I remember they're talking about, a, you know, a new car be like $2,000. And I'm thinking, it might as well have been a million dollars because $2,000 to me when I was a kid, I mean, it was so big. Yeah, I mean, just the number was so astronomically large. Uh, you know, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll never have a car. If it costs that much money to have a car, you know, there's just no way. Uh, and, and, uh, and so, you know, I know what it's like to be poor like that where, where someone says, well, it costs this much money. I'm thinking, there's no way. That is so far from my, you know, from my thinking that I'll never get there. And that's where you have to be in your spirit. You have to think, Lord, salvation in the kingdom of heaven is so far from my ability to get there. It's impossible for me to get there. But see, when you trust in your own riches, you, I, I think I can do it. Yeah. When you trust in your own goodness, I think I can do it. When you trust in your own hard work, I, you know, I, think, I, can, I think if I work hard enough, I can get to heaven. And that, that lie has, has, has infiltrated mankind for centuries, right? As long as mankind have been on the earth, there's always people who think, I think I can do it. And what's the issue? They are not poor in spirit. You've got to realize that God is so big and salvation is so expensive and the cost of getting to heaven is so great that there's not a chance in the universe of ever in all eternity for you ever being close to even getting anywhere near that then you're poor in spirit. And I have to have God for everything. And when you're at that point, then you're at the right point in your life. This rich young, he was not there. Zacchaeus, he was there. Uh, Lord, I, I'd give it all away. Well, what, I'll have everything. I need you, Lord. I need you. More than, I'll climb up a tree. Whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord, to get salvation in my house. Zacchaeus was poor in spirit. Rich young ruler. Now, he, now, before this event with Jesus, the rich young ruler was probably acting better than Zacchaeus was, right? Because this run, he was, what was he doing? He was doing all these things, right? I, I, I've done all these things, Lord. And Zacchaeus was out accusing people. Hey, you owe $100,000. Well, I don't do it. Yep. Uh, centurions, go take him, you know, take him away. Take his uh, family and house and children and dog and cat and his two chickens. Take them all away. Okay, I'll pay. Uh, he was doing that. He said, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pay him back four times. So Zacchaeus' life before he met Jesus was much worse than the rich young ruler before he met Jesus. Rich young ruler was the epitome, the example of a good person, of being, doing everything right. He was so far from heaven and Zacchaeus was also so far from heaven. The thing is, they were both far from heaven. Zacchaeus didn't care. 
the rich young ruler is trying to, trying to bribe Jesus into it, right? And so you, you've, got to, uh, you've got to get to a point where, Lord, uh, I need you for everything. To breathe, right? Remember we read in, in Acts 17, 25, that the very breath we breathe comes from heaven. And we've got to keep that attitude in our heart. All, if you keep that attitude all the days of your life, you'll be all right. Well, I need you for everything. I need you to breathe. I need you to, to eat. I need you to, to get up out of bed and be safe to go to work. And I need you for everything, Lord. When we get to that point, we'll be all right. Amen. But so many times we trust in ourselves. I'm so good, I can't hardly stand myself. You know, I'm just, you know, uh, Brother Hagin tell a story about this woman. They, uh, they were asking, you know, uh, how come this woman doesn't, uh, doesn't get healed? All these other people in church getting healed. You know, this woman's a great saint of God. She doesn't get healed. Uh, and, and when he'd go to the prayer line, he'd get to her. And you know what she'd say? Lord, I'm the best saint in the church. I work harder. I do more in this church than anybody else does. You know, I, I do more for the kids. I do more for the church. You know, I make more food or whatever. I do more than anybody. I, you know, you need to heal me. What was her problem? She was not poor in spirit. She was rich in spirit. She thought she was all that in a bag of chips, right? She thought she was worthy and had earned the healing power of God. All of us deserve hell. I mean, and, and I think about that all the time. For me, I think I deserve hell. I, if it wasn't for the grace, I deserve go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 straight to hell. And now I don't, you know, I don't think of myself as a sinner. I see myself as a child of God by his grace. And if it wasn't for his grace, I deserve hell. Uh, you know, I don't think, well, if it wasn't for his grace, I'd probably make it anyway. That's what people think sometimes. Uh, and, and people, you know, oh, you know, Sister Dudat, she was such a saint of God. You know, she's probably in heaven. Like, that is not, you know, being good does not get you to heaven. Now, we all know that. But do you know it like this guy knows it? Do you know it like Zacchaeus knew it? Or do you know it like the rich young ruler knew it? If you know it like the rich young ruler knew it, you'll never get there. Because he thought, he thought, in fact, well, Jesus said he was pretty close, really, right? But uh, he, he was a thousand miles away, too. Uh, he was this close, but infinitely away. Because he couldn't find a way to be poor in spirit. Uh, and you get poor in spirit, what did Jesus say? You get the kingdom of heaven. So the only way you ever get saved is to realize you need a savior, right? That's poor in spirit. I need somebody. See, a lot of people, I don't need God. That's the biggest lie. You need God to get up out of bed, right? If you believe that, you're poor in spirit. But people, I don't need God. You know, all oh, churches and religions are crutch. The dumbest thing that was just blah blah. I mean, so boring, right? I mean, that kind of that that intellectual, you know, uh, uh, pride, boring and 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 dumb. And they want to make you look, you know, look down at you. And thinking, I'm on my way to heaven. You know, what do you got to offer me? You got a bank account? I mean, my God walks on streets of gold, right? I mean, it just uh, you're boring, right? Uh, I, I never. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I'll tell you one other thing, and it will go, but, you know, I, I've observed in the church a lot of times that you get wealthy people in church, and, and you know, it's good to have wealthy people in a church because they, they are wealthy, right? And it's good to have anybody in church, you know? I mean, we shouldn't pick and choose, but, you know, it should be good to have wealthy people in church. It should be good to have poor people in church. It should be good to have, you know, anybody in church, you know? Uh, we, we shouldn't pick and choose in that, but, uh, but I, I've observed so many times that, uh, just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you got it godly by godly means, right? Now, if you did, praise God, you know, but uh, wealth is not a, a, an automatic recognition that you've done the perfect will of God in your life, right? You know, people, some people are just intelligent and, and they can make money and, and they may not make it the best way. And I knew one person in particular, uh, he was a very wealthy person 
And, um, uh, and because he was wealthy, he thought he should be able to run the church, right? I'm thinking, how does that qualify you to have an opinion about anything, right? Now, I didn't say anything, but, you know, I'm just thinking, but I don't know why that a bank account qualifies you for anything, but, you know, but he would, he'd had the air about him. You ever met people that are very wealthy that have the air about him? Like, well, I'm wealthy, so therefore I'm smarter than all of you all, right? I've met a lot of dumb rich people. I mean, dumb. I mean, just how, how in the world did you get out of bed dumb, right? Uh, rich people. Uh, and I've met a lot of rich people that are very kind and generous too, right? So it's not just because you're rich doesn't mean you're, there's a knock against you. Some people in the church believe that. If you're rich, you can't be a good person. That's a terrible thing to say. I've met terrible poor people. I've met terrible rich people. I've met good poor people, and I've met good rich people. Amen? So I can't, there's no observation. But anyway, so this fellow, and he even told me, he said, you know, I, uh, I was a terrible father growing up. I, I was away all the time. I didn't raise my kids. I made my wife raise my kids, you know. I never spent any time with him at all. I just worked, 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 made all this money. And he was a very wealthy person. I'm thinking, so how is that a good exchange? You exchange the life of your children for your own bank account? Is that a good exchange? You know, I mean, you can't have both if you want to, but, you know, he did want both. He wanted his money, and so that's what he got. And now his kids didn't like him, didn't want to be around him. Uh, and, but other people in the church would just fawn all over him. I mean, it, just, it was embarrassing, you know, how they'd go and just, oh, how you doing? You know, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, is there anything I can get you? Can I get you some water? You know, let me, let me brush your seat off there. I mean, they wouldn't quite go that, but that was kind of, but that, in, their, in their mind and attitude, that's where they were, right? And this one fellow in particular I knew at church, you know, he was a good fellow, but all, every time you talked to him, he talked about money. You know how much money that guy's got? He's got a lot of money. You know, someday I'm going to have to need a lot of money. And, 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 you, and you talked to this person, at, within five minutes they were talking about money. Any conversation you had, five minutes, he talked about money somewhere. Well, see, he was a rich young ruler without being rich. You know, he, tr- he was wanting to trust in his riches that he would get someday. He hadn't got them yet, and he was already trusting in them. Now that's, you know, when you're a future rich young ruler, I, I, I aspire to be a rich young ruler. That is not a good goal, right? That is not a good goal. Uh, and so uh, we've just got to be really careful about these things. It's a, it's a strong warning. And some of the strongest warnings in the Word of God, especially in the New Testament, about your spiritual life have to deal with money, right? What's your relationship with money? Amen. Uh, and and uh, what I found, you give, give it all away and it just keeps coming back. Amen. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at some more things because we've got to, uh, we've got to, two more, because we've got to look at Job too. He's going to be, uh, got some good insight there about that. But um, uh, the, the whole thing about Matthew 5, uh, verse 3 there, that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All that God has is yours if you'll be poor in spirit. That's a pretty good deal, right? But it's a pretty big requirement too on our part. Amen. Are you willing to trust God for everything? Uh, are you willing to trust God in all of your life? If you are, then you're poor in spirit and you get everything from the Lord. Amen. Uh, and that's the part that we've got to finish up because uh, there's so much dumb doctrine in the church about, well, you've got to be poor in bank account before the Lord can bless you. Well, poor Zacchaeus, he didn't know that. Poor Abraham, he didn't know that. Poor David, he didn't know that. It's Solomon or anybody else, right? And, and so... Um, and, and they'll, sometimes we'll pick out the rich and ruler, but we know what's the root cause of his issue? Trusted in his riches, right? Mm-hmm. He trusted in the things that he had. And, and so uh, that means you should not trust in anything. You should not trust in your intelligence. You should not trust in your education. You should not trust in the name that you have. If you've got a famous name, you, know, you, should, um, uh, you shouldn't trust in those things. You know, I had, uh, we, were, we, we were doing a... Um, uh, it was... Uh, uh, let's see. It was... Uh, was it Benny Hinn? 
they came to Nashville that time? Yeah, yeah we helped. Uh, so he came to Nashville, and so he'd asked our church. He asked a lot of churches if he'd come help usher, so we went and helped usher uh, at his conference there in Nashville. Uh, and and um, uh, anybody ever been to a Benny Hinn conference or, or seen, his, seen him on TV? So, you know, he, he, he'd preach, you know, and, and then after he'd have a healing service, right? And so a healing service, he'd have, you know, people come up and he'd pray for them, you know, and, and, so that, and that was pretty much the same, same time, the same way he did all of his conferences, right? And so you'd have all these VIPs come. And, and, and so, um, uh, so a friend of mine, he was part of our church and he was a big football player, right? Big guy, like 6'3", you know, just muscles everywhere, you know, and they got a little soft over the years, but, you know, he's still really big, you know, and, and he was kind of imposing figure, right? Uh, well, that's not me, right? That's not, you know, if you want a guy to look like that, that's not me, right? You get, you get this guy, right? And he's big, right? Uh, they stuck me up in the top bleacher somewhere doing something else. Uh, and so, uh, so they put, you put him down in the VIP section, and they said, nobody gets in this section uh, unless they're on the list, right? And so, um, so this one lady comes up and says, uh, you know, I'm supposed to, uh, sit here and uh, and he said what's your name and well, you're not on the list uh, and she said yeah but my husband is uh, and and uh, it, it was uh, Steve uh, I don't remember the last guy's name but he used to sing for Benny Hinn right and had the wild hair you know and he would do most of the singing anybody remember the guy's name uh, what was his last name uh, okay it's all a test right but anyways the first name was Steve uh, and uh, he was well known, you know, in the circles with Benny Hinn. And, um, and, and so, so if you knew Benny Hinn's ministry, you knew Steve, right? Steve the singer. Uh, and she said, well, I'm Steve's wife. Uh, and uh, my friend looked at her and said, ma'am, I don't know who that is. <laughs> so she was trusting in the name, right? She was, well, uh, my name will get me in, right? Well, I'm, I'm Steve's wife. He's like, I don't know who Steve is. <laughs> now, you know, uh, depending on the person, that might just infuriate them because some people just, you know, don't you know who I am? No, I really don't, you know. Uh, you know, and, and for me as a child of God, you cannot impress me with your name. Oh, don't you know who I am? No, but I know who he is, you know. And I mean, I, just, I am not impressed with somebody's name. I'm just, just, there's nothing in me. Now, I don't denigrate people either because, well, you know, I don't, if you're rich, I don't look down on you either. That's just as bad as, as, as you know, anything else, I think, but... Uh, but, uh, uh, well, I'm so-and-so's wife, you know, well, I don't know who that is. And, and she had a, the correct and the proper attitude. She laughed at no problem. So I'll go. And so she found, you know, the, the head person and they came back, right? The head person and the, the woman came back and she said, it's okay if she sits there. And so my buddy's like, no problem, you know? Uh, and so they're all cordial. And I had a good laugh about it, you know, but that's pretty funny, right? Don't you know, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so's wife. Never heard of him. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, Steve Brock, that was it, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, it, I'm Steve Brock's wife, you know. And uh, I don't know if Steve Brock's watching or not, but uh, it's a great story, right? And, and she had a great attitude, right? So I think she should, be, she should be commended because she didn't trust in her name, right? Uh, and uh, now I'm not opposed to name dropping sometimes if it's helpful, but... Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, that was a great thing. So we're going to trust in God. Amen. Yeah. We're going to get poor in spirit. Lord, I can't breathe without you. I, I can't do anything without you. I can't be successful. I can't, I can't do anything. And we're going to finish up the rich young ruler, uh, but we'll have to do that two weeks from now because brother Randy will be here with us next week. So, uh, but we'll get there. Amen. Yeah. Most important of all the Beatitudes, poor in spirit. Amen. Uh, we got to be poor in spirit. You've got to, every day you've got to think, Lord, I cannot make it without you. 
Uh, and some people trust in, well, I'm just going to take care of this myself. So you're trusting in yourself. Yeah. People do that all the time. You know, I'll just, I'll just take care of myself, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, it just, well, you know, I ain't going to go to the doctor. They trust in themselves. I ain't doing that. I'm gonna, you know, so what in the world? Just trust in God. Yeah. Do whatever you